Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figus Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, ready to tantalize you with the latest and greatest in geek news. What's going on across the Geekverse? There's lots going on. Let's get right to it. So many things to talk about this week. This is like the week a la extravaganza. Yes, I know, I just totally made that up. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, I, I, I cracked myself up so much, I... Almost choked to death. Anyway, uh, before we get into all of that wonderful information, actually, let's talk about our sponsors, Suzy Q's, the purveyor of crafted jewelry that is unlike anything else on the planet. Uh, she is running a special right now, if you go to suzyqs.com, for Mother's Day, which is right around the corner. Something unique, something wonderful, something tantalizing that no one else will have. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I always have my bracelet on. Uh, go to suzyqs.com to check out what Mother's Thursday specials that she is running right now get in before uh, uh, it's too late because you know you don't want to not have it in time for Mother's Day that would just be ridiculous our other sponsor is Mr. Matt Campbell from Action Line Studios the uh, artist author of Mythica which is an amazing story if you go to actionstudios.com and enter in 5280 at the time of checkout you would get a 15% discount on his book in fact I think he's got a new trade coming up I talked to Matt a couple weeks ago at one of the cons and uh, he's getting caught up he was a bit under the weather it happens so you know he's he's getting caught up but he's ready go check it out how can you go wrong with a vampire fighting scotsman in a kilt during world war ii you really can't it's it's true i promise now on to so many things so where to start where to start where to start we'll get to my take on what uh, i'm watching but first off let's go with may the 4th which is thursday uh, May the 4th, of course, if you are unaware, and some of you may not, it is Star Wars Day. So there's a lot of festivities, a lot of things that go on. In the past, it has actually fallen on some star cons, some cons across the country. So it's it's basically all those that love Star Wars. And then, of course, the next day is Revenge of the Fifth, but we'll get to the fifth in a second. But May the 4th is is just kind of the focus of Star Wars. Actually, I will be at Outworld Brewery doing uh, May the 4th there, dressed as a Jedi, doing trivia with uh, Geeks Who Drink. So it's worth just kind of come hang out if you want to hang out with me and some of the Colorado Festival of Horror people will be will be in attendance. We'll be ready to to flex our nerd-like knowledge in the realm of sci-fi and Star Wars. Hopefully we can answer some questions. Last time we played, actually we did fairly well. Um thanks to Layton who knew everything about like spores, molds and fungus and that completely saved our bacon in the first round. She she was a rock star. And then everything else kind of 
divvied out evenly amongst the rest of us as far as knowledge. But yeah, Leighton was just rock star on, on that particular function. So this this week, this Thursday, we will be there. Come and hang out uh, and um, partake. Flex your knowledge. The big story for me, actually, for May the 4th this year was uh, Carrie Fisher. Of course, Princess Leia. She passed a few years ago. Well, more than a few years, but um, actually, she is going to be honored with a Hollywood Walk of Fame star Thursday, May the 4th at 11.30 a.m. Uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. So, I, first of all, I kind of had to stop and make sure that I was reading this correctly, because I swear, as God is my witness, that Carrie Fisher already had a star, but evidently, she did not. So I'm excited that she finally is getting this honor. I'm not sure. And they haven't said who will be there, who's presenting uh, guest announcers or anything like that. So I'm sure Mark Hamill will be there. I'm sure uh, hopefully a few other Star Wars alum will be there. I'm not sure if Harrison Ford will be there. But the three of those were so tightly knit together, I would be surprised if they didn't. But of course... Harrison Ford is probably knee-deep in promoting Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which looks fabulous. I cannot wait for that film. <sighs> so close. So close. Um, to date, there are 2,754 uh, stars on, on the Walk of Fame right now. So I, I'm excited to see this. I, I'm so surprised that she hasn't been part of the Walk of Fame all of these years. But, you know, I guess better late than never. I don't know. But I, I, our princess finally gets her 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 walk, and her star, and all is, all is right with the world. And it's such a good day to get it done. To have it on May the 4th is, is kind of cool. It's, yeah, it's monumentous. So on top of May the 4th, which is Thursday, Friday, Revenge of the 5th, which, eh, not as well known, but still a lot of people get into it, I'm more focused in on the release of a certain film, the film that I have anxiously been awaiting, the film that I said was going to be a hit way back when it started, and I was right, yet again. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, is, is finally coming out, and it's been a very emotional journey it's very very <sighs> impactful because these characters are are huge at least to me i've i've always loved rocket even before you know the the films when he you know appeared in the hulk his limited series i just i just really dug rocket it was a cool character i liked how they fleshed him out they gave him groot they gave him a little bit more substance so he could you know successfully transverse the universe I mean, he's a he's a raccoon. How's he going to get around? I mean, come on. And it makes sense. But Star-Lord, of course, Drax, who huge, huge love for Mantis, Gamora, huge, and of course, everyone knows my love for Thanos. So to get to the end of this saga, as James Gunn has orchestrated something, I'm only guessing is over-the-top brilliant. Um is is anxiously approaching. I will be at the uh, Alamo Draft House dressed as Star Lord for the pre uh, movie festivities, uh, and I will be dressed as Star Lord for pictures and photos and stuff like that. And you know what better way to go see Guardians of the Galaxy than dressed as 
yes, that's right. You guessed it. Star-Lord. <laughs> <coughs> I don't know what to expect out of this film. I know we are seeing the the end of a few characters. The question is, how do they end? My money is, and I could be wrong, but I think Drax dies, and I wouldn't be surprised if Rocket dies. It just seems, just the way the, the clips have kind of been, and the emotion and all of that, I just really am concerned. Drax to pass away... I, I mean, I'm kind of one way or the other on it. Drax has died multiple times in in the comics and continues to come back. So, and Gamora died, and she's back. So, you know, what's what's death in, in the Marvel Universe? I'm glad that they just continue to focus on this. So, with the the end, the end is nigh. I'm very anxious to see how it goes. And I have a feeling this will probably be... Uh, the swan song for the Marvel U as movies and shows continue to disappoint a lot. I mean, Ant-Man was Ant-Man, but it just seemed eh, phoned in. It wasn't all that I think it could have been. Ant-Man seemed more like a guest star in his own film than the movie about him. And let's face it, Michael Douglas could give two shits less. Michelle Pfeiffer carried the film and did everything she could, but there's only so much you can do. My expectations of James Gunn are a little bit higher, especially when you see what he's done with the likes of Peacemaker and taking over the DCU, which I wouldn't be surprised if we see a mass revolt and exodus of all these characters going to work for him in the new DC universe. And, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I don't know how I feel about the end of Guardians. It's, like I said, the one film series that I have thoroughly enjoyed and I'm sad to see it come to an end. I don't know what the future for the MCU holds or the MCU and I can only keep my fingers crossed that somewhere somehow on the other side of this series we get more Guardians. We get Adam Warlock. We've introduced a character of huge cosmic potential and with the Fantastic Four looming out there and um, all these new hints at what the uh, Marvel Universe is going to be bringing for the next phase, who's to say? But I will be front and center to see my my Guardians of the Galaxy off for Volume 3. So that's just Friday. Saturday. <sighs> Saturday's the big day. Saturday is the number one day that all comic book retailers look forward to with giddy abandon. That's right, it's free comic book day across the country. I'll be spread out throughout the town doing the rounds. I mean, I'll start out as we always do at Time Warp Comics in Boulder and then kind of, you know, do this circle out maneuver that Brett and I have developed over the years to kind of, you know, incorporate all of the different shops different things that are going on. We also, Brett and I will be doing a meet and greet with uh, Paul Giamatti on Saturday, which I am hugely excited for. Big fan. Big fan. Can't wait. So the weekend is just packed full of so many things. Free Comic Book Day actually shows uh, a few horror books in the mix, which I'm not too uh, used to. I think there's like a half a dozen different horror comics that are highlighted in this year's uh, release. So there's always some big book. There's always some some kind of little, uh, I don't know, little jewel that comes out in these um, 
free comic book days. I, I've done these for years, and I, I don't see any reason to stop now. So it's only a matter of time before, you know, um, I, I get everything, right? <laughs> So go check it out. Uh, look up on a lot of the comic book places have their own uh, sites with the comic books that are listed for what's the release on Saturday. A lot of them limit three per person, so plan appropriately. That's also the reason why Brett Leader One and I do hit so many different shops. Have to get them all. <laughs> What else? Oh, in movie news, this actually just happened not that long ago. Well, it it was kind of premiered at um, the Warner Brothers uh, screener release a couple days ago, and I had privy to it. Now it's actually everywhere. But the new Dune trailer is out, and uh, this is just so epic. Um, We got Timothy uh, Charlemette, uh, Zendaya, Javier... Uh, Javier, 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 Xavier. Yeah, there we go. Xavier Bardemine. Hey, it's not a podcast unless I'm I mutilate your 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 name. Uh, Josh Brolin, of course. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. I mean, some huge, huge hitters for this film, and the trailer is. Uh, it's cryptic. It really is. When I watch this thing, and I've watched it a couple times because it's not very long. So I keep watching it, waiting to see if I just get kind of something else. But it really reminds me of the first trailer when uh, Doom premiered a couple years ago. And it's just very ambiguous. Just the size, the scope of it is just monstrous. I mean, you you see this big pan of the desert. I mean, even Star Wars, when they were on Tatooine, didn't look this desolate or this huge. Did I say huge? It's huge. So... I'm excited, and I'm hopefully, hopefully we'll see um, some some true to <coughs> Dune history, some of the mythos. I don't know. I'm excited, but I'm also fearful because I mean we did do a little bit of a departure from the books, which is necessary. There were some, you know. You know conflicts, but yet similarities to the first Dune film. So I mean, when you're dealing with something of this this size and this scope, it does get a little bit daunting and 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 difficult to envision. I know we won't be disappointed in the sets or the layout because everything in the first film was just spectacular. It was daunting and oh, engrossing and so so much fun. So I'm hoping they continue with that and that they don't deviate too far from. They what they've already established. Uh, the second part to Dune is due out November third right now, so you know got a little bit of time. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of trailers to look at. Uh, some of the photos right now for first looks are floating around on the net, along with the uh, the first poster for the film. So uh, check it out. What else? So TV has had some interesting twists. Uh, we'll get to the big story that uh, broke just before we hit the air uh, here in a moment. But there are uh, some rumblings on many things, and this affects us all. It's a dark, dark day. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. The, um, <laughs> the last of the Late Late Show aired with uh, James Gordon. And it was it was sad. 
I mean, it's been eight years, and I honestly thought he'd go longer than that. It's hard not to compare his final episode with Craig Ferguson, who, you know, huge fan of Craig, watched, you know, his his run at the late show, at the late night, and it was it was great. The the sticks were were fun, the comedy, the guests. He did uh, you know, the last few couch lineups were impressive. Patrick Stewart did, you know, come in. I don't know why they chose to end on Will Ferrell. I mean, Harry Styles made sense, but Will Ferrell is just kind of like, mm, okay, whatever. But the final show was, it was sad. You could see in his eyes, Craig didn't really want to go anywhere. I mean, I don't understand why you would stop doing a, a steady gig. And he said, of course, it's family and things that he had to do and he's going home. And okay, that's fine. Do You do you. I understand completely. But it just... You can see visually, I don't think he's ready to go. <laughs> Not to quote another show. They just, I don't know who they're going to put in there now. And with the recent events, it may be difficult and maybe some time before we see who is going to come in there. Because there, there's some anxiety out there. Because on the heels of this, um, this morning... Uh, evidently, there is another writer's strike that is going to happen. The Writers Guild of America claims Hollywood Studios refuses to negotiate on terms concerning the use of AI-generated content in film and TV. Now, of course, the last time that there was a writer's strike, we ended up with two years of reality TV. I never want to do that again. That was lame. It was the worst years of TV. The article went on to say, for the first time in 15 years, the Writers Guild of America has officially gone on strike after discussions with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers failed to reach an agreement. One of the areas the studios refused to negotiate on concerned the use of AI technology technology and generated content. According to Hollywood Reporter, uh, the WGA released a statement explaining it. Quote, began this process intent on making a fair deal, but the studio's response has been wholly uh, insufficient, given the existential crisis writers are facing. It went on to add that they were stonewalled on proposals to minimize work with no pay and regulate AI writing in WGA-covered work. So, the AI predicament continues to grow. There have been so many things, and South Park did this great episode on AI, as far as like writing book reports for the kids, and even like the teachers using AI program to grade the papers. I think AI, if, and I know this is escalating so quickly, and I just keep thinking of Isaac Asimov's three rules that probably need to be put into place yesterday, just simply for the fact that this is getting really out of hand. AI art is like one of the things that have just been sweeping across all of the interwebs and social media. And it's strange because some of it, you can't tell the difference. You really can't. I'm looking at some of the art that's coming out from AI and comparing it to other artists. And I'm like, it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around that. This is from a computer that has no emotion has never seen anything and just kind of pops this out. So when the writers association is trying to wrangle this in, I do think it's a fair, fair call. I mean, as of late, I haven't been too impressed with a lot of the stories that have been coming out and 
eh, maybe this does need to happen to shake up the writers so that we can start, start getting, you know, back to some very good storytelling. I mean, don't at me yet. I'm not saying that everything is bad, but there's been a lot of content that I'm just kind of like, that could have gone better. Or lazy writing, and I don't mean to pick on the CW because it's low-hanging fruit and an easy target, but how many times can we share our emotions in stairwells and hallways? They're getting lazy. They're seeing things that have just gone un unapproached or unaddressed, and maybe this is what's necessary to get pride back in their work. I'm not saying that a writer's job is easy, trust me. Coming up with content over the last decade of doing this has not always come easy. And Neil Gaiman has always said, if you wait to write when you're inspired, that makes you a poet, not an author. And I have to agree with that statement 100%. So when I'm looking at this, everyone has their rights, don't get me wrong. And I want everyone to be treated fair across the board. What's fair for one should be fair for all. And I stand by that statement no matter who or what happens out there. But I don't know if this is the the hill we die on. I don't know if this is the stand that needs to be taken. This is a bigger picture than just the writers coming out and saying, we need regulation, we need to be protected. I think that this is something that is so much bigger than just the writers wanting a better contract. AI is coming, actually. AI is here. And without so much as blinking an eye, in the last year and a half, it has basically just ran over the creative world. I mean, it is scary with what I've seen come out of AI. And and sometimes the AI product is better than human-created content. And I think there does need to be differentiators set in place. Which brings me to one of my takes this week, and that is Titans versus Gotham Knights. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty on this, if you haven't watched Titans, you probably should. If you're not sure what Gotham Knights is, you're not missing anything, but it's another CW show. And with Gunn going over to DC, it's hard to say what the, the future may hold for these particular shows. And now with the writer's strike here... Who's to say how these stories will end? And when I say end, some of them need to end sooner than others. And uh, there are some differentiators. I understand. Titans is on HBO. Gotham Knights is on the CW. Gotham Knights is a show that nobody asked for, that nobody cares for. And the video game is kind of fun. But the things that they've decided to pull from to create this show, yikes. I'm all for a good Batman story. Anytime that's something a little out of the ordinary or something that's just kind of original or creative or just, you know, wow, like the Elseworlds constantly came up with some very original, fun Batman stories. Even, I mean, the, the, the Snyder Capullo run on Batman with the Court of Owls is spectacular, But to pull those elements and bring that into Gotham Knights, but not completely explain the story or give us the story we deserve is kind of off-putting. It actually kind of pisses me off. Now, when you look at the other side of Titans, which is on HBO, yes, they have certain liberties that they can take. They can go darker. They They can do things or deal with content that normally a network show cannot. But to be fair, I've seen network shows 
kind of push that envelope in the last few years just to see how far we can go. South Park is a perfect example of what can happen if we just continue to push and what is acceptable. What is society willing to, to frown but also embrace? Titans is creative. It's interesting and it's still the DC universe and they make no apologies or take any quarter in explaining the characters, which at this point a lot of them we don't need any explanation. It's absolutely story driven and there are some compelling relationships between the characters. It does have the very essence of comic books with the flip-floppy you're my ally, no you're my enemy. Oh, we're we're seeing eye to eye. No we're not. And I like that aspect of it. It is human. It really is. And Titans has, I think, an advantage over all of them. Not just because it came first, but the how and why they approach the characters is entirely different. Gotham Knights is just bad. I mean, I've tried to watch this show. And I'm not trying to badmouth it. I really, I wanted to enjoy this. But to pull different elements from different stories, to try and create characters that we care about with really no development, and we we just think you should like these characters. Really, we don't. We don't need to. I feel bad because Gotham Knights has Misha Collins from Supernatural, and he's playing Harvey Dent, which in the role that he's playing really more reads like a Commissioner Gordon-style character. So when they are mixing these characters up and trying to create this awkward world of the Court of Owls and Bruce Wayne is dead and we've got, you know, people that are living with Bruce, but it's not it's not anybody we know. It's not Dick. It's not Tim. It's not Jason. We introduce a whole new character. The Joker's daughter is... Uh, supposedly the Joker's daughter, but Duella Dent never really was the Joker's daughter. So they have these different things that uh, it's difficult to explain, but it's not good. And they're not taking the time or the care to build the show properly. I honestly think they just threw the show together on a whim. And then when Gunn came along, they're like, eh, well, kiss, kiss the rest of these seasons goodbye because there's no reason to come back. And uh, from what I've seen, there, there really, there really isn't. Titans has seen some incredible characters. I mean, we we got Hawk and Dove. I never ever thought we'd get Hawk and Dove. Starfire, another character that in Titans is is omnipotent. Is a great character. She's fabulous. But I never once thought she'd be strong enough to carry a show, and yet here she is. We've gotten villains like the Scarecrow. We've seen hints at the Joker. We've had Batman. That's right. We had Batman. We never saw him in the suit. Of course, for, you know, contractual obligations, of course not. But there's a person that identifies as Bruce Wayne. There's somebody that is there. We've seen Hush. We've gotten all of these amazing characters that we, we, we I can identify. It's a little different. It's not bad, but it's enjoyable. So when you're looking at the CW show, and again, I know budget writing and all that stuff, it just seems that they haven't taken the care necessary to relay a story. Especially when you look across the board when you have like Flash and Superman and Lois. Both shows, Superman and Lois, a eh, little, little heavy this year. Not, not, I'm not enjoying it as much as I had in the past. 
But I'm still watching it. I'm still curious to see what happens. Flash, of course, it's Swan Song, heading into the sunset. We got a little Archer action uh, this this last week with Arrow returning to his his roots. And it was fun. I like to see some of this stuff tidied up. This is an episode that I can actually get on board with because it, it, it's the final season. We don't need filler episodes. We don't need episodes to round out characters anymore. The, they're either rounded or they're dead. They're blunt objects at this point. And, you know, however you want to try and save them is entirely up to you. But, again, it all falls down to the writers. I can't see Gotham Knights making it to a season two. Of course, I, you know, I was more behind Batwoman than I am this show. And once Ruby left, I'm, we knew the writing on the wall for that series because, God, that went down quick. Titans, at least we're seeing some cool developments on characters. We're seeing Superboy story kind of get fleshed out. We saw the whole Jason Todd story. Nightwing continues to, you know, grow and be, you know, prosperous. Gotham Knights, oh my god. A bunch of teenagers that, you know, have never really been in a conflict in their life taking down armed gunmen? Are you kidding me? Come on! Even I got problems with that one, and I read comic books. What is the fate? Who is to say? Is this the last season for all of our shows for DC? The writer's strike has anything to say about it? Yes, this will be the end. Uh, if it is not, and they do find a way to come back, I guess we will 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 see. I don't know. It's hard to say so much with Gunn and us not knowing the trajectory or the road plan. I hope we see more Titans. I really do enjoy the show. It is a fun show, especially for the comic book fans. And you don't have to be a comic book fan to sit and appreciate the characters, to, to appreciate the story. And you know what? I, I, I'm fine to just unplug for an hour and enjoy something. That's all. That's it. Also, in speaking of Supernatural, uh, Jensen Eccles uh, is returning as Batman in the new animated film. Uh, this is Justice League War World, uh, and it's a new DC animated film set in the, the new existing Tomorrowverse. So the Tomorrowverse is kind of taken over as the new operating universe for DC's animated series. So they they did the crisis, they ended it, and they have moved on. So Eccles is actually, this will be his third time voicing Batman along with uh, Stan Akatic and Darren Chris. And you know my love for Stan Akatic as Wonder Woman, and I think it's like a perfect fit for her. But I did love the older DC animated run, and that was the one that went from, I think it was like 2013 to 2020, and it ended like I expected it to do with every all the heroes going out in a bang and just basically waiting for Oblivion to come as they sat on a beach and watched the sun rise together. It was a little strange, but it was... It was worth it, and I did like the series. Now, War World um, is kind of an usher into the the new environment, the new world. And uh, the synopsis reads as this. Until now, the Justice League has been a loose association 
of the superpowered individuals. But when they are swept away to War World, a place of undenying brutal gladiatorial combat, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, and others must somehow unite to form an unbeatable resistance able to lead an entire planet to freedom. So I'm I'm on board. I I've never I mean I can't say never, but most of the time I'm actually really on board with the DC animated movies. They 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 take time, they take care, and it's fun to see some of the stuff that they've done. Long Halloween parts one and two was actually really good. They did change the ending up a little bit, which I didn't have a problem with. I know there's a lot of other purists out there, but I kind of liked, and that is like one of my favorite uh, Jeff Loeb stories, or, or uh, uh, Tim Sale's stories, and I think it it really did a great job. So, I'm 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 all in, absolutely. Not to mention, who are you going to get to replace Conroy as Batman? Jensen Eccles just has that gravelly voice. He's just got the 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 pipes for it, and you know how he can kind of just be happy-go-lucky one minute and then all gravelly and grim the next. It really seems to fit. I mean, make no mistakes. Anytime I read a you know Batman comic book, Kevin Conroy's voice is always present it's omnipresent and it, even when i look at you know, some of my batman statues which is one here in the studio i i can i can hear kevin conroy talking to me right now and speaking of some very interesting twists idw hit with layoffs uh removes itself from the new york stock exchange and idw is i mean this one kind of hits hard because the the lineup and I know a lot of people blame the loss of Lock and Key on Netflix as part of the reason the drop off in sales. They still have Turtles, they still have Sonic, they still have a lot of other things that are under their banner, and maybe they just need to revitalize some of the IPs that they're sitting on. However, um, they've taken tremendous losses over the last couple of quarters, and um, basically they have decided to restructure and lay some of its principal writers off. IDW was quoted saying the board determined that going dark is the best path for the company due to extended cost savings, reductions of pressure on limited resources, and the company's current inability to realize many of the benefits from continued listing and exchange act restrictions and reporting low trading values and volume has limited our class B common stocks liquidity and made it unattainable to effectively use our securities as transactions considerations attract interest from institutional investors or market analysis uh, to provide a meaningful incentive for our employees. So essentially what that means is nobody's giving them money, no one is investing in them, and they haven't been able to produce anything that anyone has really jumped on board with. I honestly wish IDW could survive this, but I think IDW and Dark Horse are looking at kind of the same road right now. Dark Horse, of course, after losing Star Wars and Predator and Aliens and a lot of the titles that Marvel has been able to capitalize on and actually do a really good job with. In fact, one of my favorite comics right now is the Alien series that uh, Marvel's been producing. So it, it's hard to argue with the results, but I mean, you've got Dark Horse sitting on Hellboy and you've got, I think IDW's biggest IP is the Turtles at the moment. 
And the only one that actually really was hitting for him was the last Ronin series for last year. And I know they're trying to revisit that storyline and fill in the years of, you know, Mikey walking around being the last Ninja Turtle and trying to, you know, train himself and become the, the, the instrument that we see in the last Ronin series. I don't want to see comic book companies go under. It, it, it's it's sad. It, it doesn't need to happen because if if we lose our comic book companies, then who's going to be producing comics? AI? Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> uh, what else? Speaking of writing, um, actually, before I do that story, I want to talk about this awesome little fan film that I kind of it showed up on my radar last week, and I just haven't been able to talk about it. But it's an interesting little short of Spock visiting Kirk's gravesite uh, at the end of Generations and, uh, on Viridian 3. And it's kind of like, oh, wow. And it, it's kind of touching. It's a simple, I think, two-minute video, but just the impact of it. And then, of course, you know, quickly coming off of the heels of Picard and them actually, you know, revitalizing and unearthing Enterprise D, it was just kind of like one of those, okay, that's that's kind of cool. I like it. Made made me like, oh, but just so sad. And just to see, and they do have um, Leonard Nimoy as Spock going to the gravesite. It, I don't know when this was shot. And like I said, it's just something that kind of came into... You might like this. So I clicked on it, and I did. I did like it. So I'll connect you guys with it. We'll put it in the, the comments before. I won't. Uh, maybe I'll save it for a moment of geek. Ooh, that's a good idea. Coming soon. Also this week with streaming, a lot of shows hit. Uh, John Mulaney's new stand-up, which was interesting. It does fill in a lot of the holes of what happened in his uh intervention and it's it's kind of funny and it's sad all at the same time but i'm glad he is recovering he looks like he's doing well and it's just kind of fun to see john out and about i don't know how many more specials he's got left in him but it was it was fun to just to just to hear him talk in addition sweet tooth which i've been thinking about this for like months like where is Sweet Tooth 2? Well, the answer came, and uh, I have to say, just wow. So it picks up immediately after uh, the end of the first season, and pretty seamlessly, I have to say. There are some very interesting dark moments, and it goes dark quickly. I There's, mm, there's a definite... Uh, change in the atmosphere and the feel from season one to season two and i like it it's it's it is so impactful and there there's some there's some hard hard lines drawn immediately with the with what we see in episodes one and two and you really think that it's going to go so much worse than what it does there is still the ray of optimism the the hope but it's not as prevalent and optimistic as we saw in the first season and the choices in music although limited and not as prevalent as we saw in the first season are still there and the choices are good just as good as the first season just not as as many i don't know 
I, and of course, I will revisit and watch them all again because I binged the shit out of this this line, and I think it's only eight episodes again, which is disappointing because I could really see this going for a while. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, who are the executive producers for this, have done a wondrous job in bringing this DC comic to life. The characters are exactly what I, I want and what I need, and they do the things that I think that a person in the situation would, would do. I, to this day, and now I don't want to, have ever read this series. I know I should probably lose my geek cred, and especially since I'm such a huge fan of Jeff Lemire, that I, I, should, I should visit it. But at this point, I don't want to. Same thing with Paper Girls. I started watching that show, and I picked up the trade, but I've yet to crack it open and read it, because I'm actually enjoying where I'm at. Not knowing what's going to happen and just kind of enveloping into the characters is fun. It's enjoyable. Sweet Tooth is definitely a unique perspective on the end of the world. It is so, so many elements. And again, we won't go into like The Last of Us because it's a lot more optimistic than The Last of Us. You can't do Walking Dead because there's no zombies. But there's still an element out there that nobody knows how to fight. Nobody knows what the answer is except for one, potentially two, scientists who are on a quest to figure it all out. I love the show. I know it broke records with its premiere for the first season uh, a couple years ago. I'm hoping the trend continues because I really, I'm really enjoying the show. Shadow and Bone has been kind of, eh, I haven't finished that. And what does it say? What does it say when you're watching a series and you're like, ah, I'll get back to it. It'll keep. I'll get. I got other things I need to watch. I got things I got to catch up on. I don't know if that speaks too highly of it because, like, Sweet Tooth, I, I I didn't care. I have other shows I need to watch, but I'm just like, eh, I'll come back to it. I they'll they'll eat. I need to watch Sweet Tooth. So that I think says a lot. Of course, we end up with you know a bit of a cliffhanger, as always, as, as it should, to set up the the third season. I'm hoping that we do get to see all of this show. And we get to see it come to its end. Because the comic book did come to an, an end. It, it was There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. There's a complete encompassing story here. And I don't think it needs to be cut short. I think the, the whole thing needs to be said. There is still the optimism. There's still the wide-eyed, childlike optimism that you, you still see in the first season, in the second season. Sweet Tooth continues, Gus continues to, you know, be that, that ray of light in, in the darkness that everyone looks towards at the end of the day, hoping that this, this is why we do it. This is this what makes it worth it. And I like the show. And the characters, there are some gritty, gritty characters. There's some people I just I want to die, and they don't. And I love that. It is just, it is so perfect and i'm at a good fun lovable spot in the show where okay i'm I'm ready for i'm ready for round three strap me in and if you haven't seen season one now's the time you can binge them all it'll it'll be it'll be worth the ride i promise you you will you will dig it and that kind of wraps things up for me this week yeah yeah, that wraps it up. It's kind of a light week. 
busy week. Come see us. We'll be out uh, the following week after. Uh, ooh, is um, more cons kick back up, and we will be uh, running around as always. So uh, give us a like, give us a share. Thank you for tuning in, and tell all your friends about the the little dirty little secret that we are. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>